0: Ramen's one of those meals where you got to decide, are we eating or are we talking? Cuz you can't do both. And they they just kept talking. So I'm just over here holding a mound of noodles with my with my sticks and I'm just like are you about done with your sentence? Because you can't do a mid-sentence because you can't go, oh, noodle, as you're so just fun. glurping and noodles into your face. Oh, that's a solid point. Yeah, you should put that dog down. You need to either be, like, in the conversation or not in it. Trekking heavier traveling light. There's one thing that's right wherever I go. That's where I am. ease right in but not this week we're you know try to flow in like it's a Mark Marin episode where every guest is like what oh, are we recording because I was about to yell racial slurs and they're like yeah we've been recording welcome to the show everybody uh this week in Zoltan episode 351 I'm caught up on the numbering of the episodes uh hope you're doing well uh if you're not you know keep it to yourself man don't bump someone else out with your problems You know, none of people do that. So many people are just quick to go, oh, let me ruin your day with my issues. And you're like, that's why I miss, we've been watching a lot of Mrs. Maisel. And I think back in the 50s and that era, everyone just internalized their problems and drank a little more. And they kept a good outer appearance while they were crying and dying on the inside. And I'm not saying that's the healthy way to do it. I'm just saying bring like 10% of that back. You know, 90%, hey, therapy, share your feelings, process your traumas. And then, but also 10%, shut the hell up a little bit. All right? You're bumming me out with the thing that wasn't even, I wasn't involved. Is that a weird way to start?
1: No, I (laughs) start with the negativity.
0: Yeah, (laughs) just just positive decorum, I would say. (laughs) You know, keep to yourself a little. Uh i don't know i guess that that leads into the thing that i really learned over the last week is i'm trying to drink more like i don't feel like i feel like a lot of people are backing off drinking like we're in sober october right now which i never do any of the months sober october slap your mother march or whatever like <laughs> yeah. i'm not i'm not into any of the i don't like it when i, I don't like doing things with the group i, I anything i don't i'm a i'm a just me and emma or solo like one or one other friend i don't like doing group things so i've never done a sober october or whatever the other ones are like get your testicles checked january <laughs> uh, you know all those i've never got done any of them but i'm i would like to drink more because I, I it looks not to the point where i have a problem but like right before then that sweet spot right before people are worried where like you just hit the you're in stride with your drinking where people say positive things like wow he can really handle his alcohol he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't start a fight he doesn't start crying he never orders too much Chinese food this guy's a real <laughs> pro man he's a tank he's he's able to he has a good general on him a good cruise control where he can he can handle himself because that's a slippery slope that's a weird area before right before you like go down the cliff because then one time one time you show up with a black eye or you start crying after a football game people are like you should never drink again It's either one or the other like either you're like 10 steps before falling off the cliff and you're like he should He's the best drinker I've ever seen. I would love to be like him He's like he's like he's from Mad Men or something He just has a sip and comes up with a great idea and or you're off the other end. where you are like his children are worried (laughs) And They're developing They're writing out their love letters that they're gonna read during the intervention, but I like it There's something about it I, I don't know if we're watching a lot of Mrs. Maisel or it's reminding... I never watched Mad Men, but I just assumed it was men drinking and saying everything's fine. Mm-hmm. you know, just a lot that, of
1: affairs and, and uh, drinking.
0: Affairs and drinking, which is just eating your problems. That's what they're doing. There's a lot of people going, how are you doing, Dave? And then some like, good. And just the way he said good, you were like, nothing's good. <laughs> but I appreciate you keeping that on the inside because I'm also going to drink to look back at you and go good everything's fine and it's that's why i want to drink more it's because i feel like i've i've done a good job processing the issues so i'm not drinking to hide i'm drinking to just enjoy you know (laughs) you ever do that you ever dim the lights at around 10 p.m get yourself a little beer maybe a whiskey throw a couple ice cubes in there put on a tv show And you just like the dim lighting in the corners of your eyes, you hear the ice cubes kinking, clinking, kinking, (laughs) kinking or clinking. My kink is the clinking of the ice cubes in the glass. And then you're just like, I love life. And then you look at a book on the counter and you're like, maybe I'll read that book, but you don't. Instead, you get on YouTube, but you thought about reading the book, which is almost as good as reading the book. And you just have this like real sense of accomplishment. That's the part of drinking I like. That's the real part I like. I don't know. Do you drink often?
2: Um, not often, but a decent amount. But decent I was going to say we're having diff- we're, we're we're trying to do different things right now. I'm trying to drink less. So yeah, are you but, in the sober October thing? No, I'm I'm like the what you kind of were explaining. I'm the guy who's like I can drink a lot. I could not drink for weeks. I could drink every night for a week. I could, uh, when I get drunk, I'm not like a nightmare to be around or anything. So. Right? I yeah, got lucky that good with that. in between. My mom's whole family is the you know just drunks, so I got lucky.
0: Oh, good. Or you alcoholics
2: got... or dead.
0: <laughs> the alcoholics are dead. Dead from alcoholism. Yeah. Oh. Right. Wow. We're now. We're now. It's somber. Now yeah, it's, it's a conversation. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Nah, but way
2: fun. to way to beat the genetics, Irish, baby. That's the thing. I beat the genetics on my mom's side, and then my dad. I think I've seen my dad drink a beer maybe twice ever in my life, which is wild, right? Because everyone's dad's usually just throwing back beers and shit. Yeah, yelling at the TV. Ah, your mother. My dad's square. He was born in the wrong decade. He's like... No drugs. No, I don't think he's ever seen weed in his life. Just, just listens to Frank Sinatra, reads, and does nothing else.
0: Wow. So that's how I grew up. <laughs> sounds like More... a good man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a good guy. This is... <laughs> he sounds like Abe from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, where Tony Shalhoub is just like, ha, I'm into knowledge and not knowing on what, with what my daughter is doing. Like, just, he's, I like that. I grew up in a household without any type of alcohol. Like, there was beer there, but I never, I rarely, if my mom was drinking a beer, that was a rough, day. I was like, what? happened ma right. and she's just like i gotta put my feet up and i uh, you know it's either this beer or i'm gonna kill my boss tomorrow and you're like absolutely you know <laughs> dude, t- take a load off ma but that was so rare so few and far between that i just grew up without that and i like it i think if we ever have kids i would get rid of it just because i don't i guess i don't want them to think it's normal just find it out on your own mm-hmm. if you do I don't know.
1: But I like this for you in the meantime. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Thank you. I feel like you enjoy my company sometimes a little more after I have a beer. Because I'm also a lightweight. It doesn't take much really? for me. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the beer. Like, well, this is a Tapo Chico. This has nothing in it. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I lifted it. like Well, they, like...
2: Got, their, they got spike seltzers, but...
0: Yeah, yeah, like one, one or two seltzers will get me there pretty good. Wow. But if it's like a IPA, like one IPA, and then I'll have the second one, and I'll be like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Like it's a lot of pointing, a lot of pointings <laughs> happening. That's awesome. Yeah, lightweight, yeah. lightweight sounds
2: great. It's great. I've never built up my tolerance. It's wild. I built up a beer. Yeah, hard liquor. Yeah, I built up a beer tolerance though. I could drink beer all night and just I could like be fine. And just coast. Are we talking Bud Lights or are we talking like the mean beers, like an IPA or? A, if I got food in me, I could drink a few IPAs and I'm fine. You're but
0: a, you're a—that's my goal. Yeah, that's my goal. I have two IPAs and I have to take a dump. I don't know what they put <laughs> in these IPAs. Dude, they are some of them are spicy. Some I'm of them, some where stuff. you're like, what? Well, do you put the same thing that is in my morning coffee into this IPA? What have you done here? Uh, light beers, I can I can crush them, but you know, uh, yeah, just trying to drink more, trying to enjoy life a little bit because uh, it's getting a little wacky out there. But we had a. I think one of the reasons I, I thought of that is we had a really good weekend because we went on a, uh, we did a double date with another couple because mm-hmm. we're kind of, me and her, we're, we're not very social. Like, <laughs> we, I think I've talked about I've heard, it where yes. we're in, uh, we've gone to uh, uh, backgammon, like a socializing backgammon thing where we just don't make eye contact with anybody. I've talked about that before on here and we just do our own thing. So we're like, you made a friend, Michaela. And then we've hung out with her boyfriend, Tim, Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed their company. So we went to a Georgian restaurant Mm -hmm. in Manhattan, which uh, I didn't know. It was weird. I I just saw Georgian restaurant, and I'm like, Georgian or Georgia? Because that's two very different cuisines. One is a state where I'm expecting fried chicken and like Southern comfort food. Mm-hmm. And the other one is a country that I didn't know existed until I Googled it. <laughs> and so I'm like, what is Georgian food? Really and we fa- found, it's really good. Yeah. We pretty much found out it's kind of, how'd you describe it as like Middle Eastern without rice?
1: Middle Eastern food without rice. Yeah, a lot of bread.
0: It's bread, and then you, because you asked for rice, because I think you saw the dishes, and you're like, "Do you guys have rice?" And they're like, "We have bread with cheese yeah, in she it."
1: She gave <laughs> me a dirty look
0: when I asked. Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe there was some sort of war fought between the Georgians and then whatever the nearest country is yeah. that had rice, uh-huh. and you're like, "You besmirched her by is this bread not good enough?" <laughs> but we went over there, and uh, it was a good couples dinner because they both ate. Everyone ate because every once in a while. I remember one time we did a couple's dinner with somebody and they didn't eat. And we got like ramen or something. We just had these. We showed up hungry because we're going to a ramen spot. Ramen's big. It's it's hearty. So we made sure we were hungry. And then they dropped off these giant bowls of ramen. And you got ramen's one of those meals where you got to decide: are we eating or are we talking? Because you can't do both. yeah. Yeah, it's not like we're it's not like we're picking at a charcuterie board here. All right, this is a bowl of long, thick noodles. So what are we doing? We eating or talking? Yeah. And they they just kept talking, so I'm just over here holding a mound of noodles with my with my sticks, and I'm just like. Are you about done with your sentence? Because you can't do a mid-sentence because you can't go, oh, noodle, If you're so just fun. glurping and noodles into your face. Oh, that's a solid point. Yeah, you should put that dog down. You need to either be, like, in the conversation or not in it. That's and, so yeah, it was, it was one of those foods. Georgian food, I will say, is a good talking and eating food because mm-hmm. it's a lot of, like, one of the dishes was bread with cheese in it. Mm-hmm. So they brought this, like, open-faced Danish-looking thing. And then... It's like hot cheese, and then uh, the waiter comes by and puts a raw egg in there, oh, yeah, and then it whips it up, whips it up, and then like makes this like fondue looking thing out of it. It's like a whole show. It's kind of like salt bay if salt <laughs> bay was more cheese based, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we're all just ripping pieces, dipping it in the cheese, and it's funny. Looks good. Cause like at first we're polite. You know, we're like, I, I ripped off, like, a nipple corner. I'm like, oh, let me get a nipple of this bread and a little bit of treat. And then cut to, like, ten minutes in, we're just gouging the shit out of this. <laughs> oh, excuse me? The hell out of this bread. And, uh, and just dipping into this cheese and wailing it into our faces. And, God, I love bread and cheese. Is there anything better? Is there anything better? Like, that one restaurant we went to where they had the... uh they gave us those, it was Kalur Cafe, where they gave us those little beignets, mm-hmm. and one was filled with Nutella, and then the other one was filled with that Adrian Brody jam mm-hmm. that I love. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about, the Adrian Brody jam? Did you ever watch The Pianist? Yeah. Where uh, he plays a, he, he's a Jewish pianist, and then World War II happens, and he's like on the run, right. and there's this scene where he's like in a dilapidated town. He's by himself, like everyone's pretty much gone, and he's just hunkering down, And I think the Germans had taken over this place and a German officer came in, sees him hiding there. But instead of reporting him, he comes back the next day and brings him a loaf of bread with jam. Uh, It was a it's a pretty important scene. scene, Yeah, Yeah, because at the end he ends up seeing that guy, the German officer who was now arrested because the Nazis lost uh, for all you history buffs out there. Uh, Just a little update. (laughs) Um, But like the color of that jam Mm -hmm. Looks so delicious because he's starving. He hasn't eaten in who knows how long. He's famished. And this officer gives him this, and it just looks like French bread and this dark red jam, which I might be the only one who got a food porn vision out of a Holocaust movie. But, like, (laughs) it was this delicious-looking dark—and you just watch him dig in, and I've been looking— for some Adrian Brody jam. Oh. Every plate, that's what I want. I want that good french bread with that Adrian Brody jam, <laughs> maybe a little butter if we're being selfish and just, blah, 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 and a little bit of
2: privacy. That's all I'm looking for. I think Adrian Brody like had his like was marketing his own jam that he's making. It should. Just <laughs> based off that movie scene, that'd be, oh, that'd be pretty good. I wonder if I'm the
0: only one that felt that. I had did to be. Too. Yo, you did I too? All right, that scene good. Very clearly. Yeah. Cuz I'm so glad I wasn't alone cuz I was like I know this is a very heavy topic, and I've I've not lost sight of that. But that jam, <laughs> do you see that? Jam? It's like this gorgeous, glistening, red, purpley Ah, the consistency. The I, I don't. You know, that's who I am. So uh, we <laughs> we we went and did that, and we had a wonderful time at this Georgian restaurant. And after that, we went to an art museum, which. Uh, I've realized, like, they're very nice, and we're all on the same. I think they might be smarter than us, but I think me and Tim are, like, on a similar intelligence length. I think that's important when you go to an art museum because, like, you're looking at the art, and I never know what to—I enjoy art museums. I enjoy looking at the art. I enjoy it. My favorite part of art museums is looking and going, huh, that's about as much fun as you have at an art museum. You look, you read a little, and you go, hmm. And that's the art experience, and I enjoy that. But it's hard when there's someone next to you and you want to talk about the art. Because I don't, like, I wasn't in it, and we were looking at it. We were at the Whitney, and they had these giant pieces. And the first thing I said, I'm like, man, the art's really big. (laughs) <laughs> that's how I describe the art I called it big Yeah, I'm not going to talk about the vibrance of the colors Or the uh, the story that it's telling Or the interpretation What was the artist feeling Or what are the different angles of this piece And the area it came out and The arts, That's a big ass canvas They put that on He must have had some money to do that Where did he find that big ass Have you been to an art supply store That's an expensive canvas to start throwing paint at And uh, And then later I, re- I realized why Emma, you and I are so perfect for each other because <laughs> later there was an art installation that looked like a bunch of burnt wood burnt pieces of wood that this artist had put together and you smelled the art <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh you can smell the burnt wood <laughs> <laughs> so that's me I was like, and yeah
1: you can really smell it <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's me and you at an art museum you go hey, it's really big and you're like. <laughs> Like, we're just experiencing the art all wrong. I'm I'm commenting on the size of the piece, and you're sniffing it for fumes. And, and meanwhile, all meaning is completely gone. We're like, what? I kind of wish, because I know art is for interpretation. It's open to whatever it means to you, me, and the person behind us. But I also wish that they would have the artist's version of explanation of events next to the art. Because sometimes they do, but usually they don't. Mm -hmm. Usually they just say the person's name and the year they did it, maybe a little blurb about them. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, what did you mean in this? Because sometimes you and I were on completely different spectrums and it's not that anyone's wrong in this situation, but it would be funny to have someone look at a piece of art, have their version, someone else next to them have their version of what the art says, and then go read what the artist was actually doing and just feeling how way off. That was, you know, like one person's like, "Oh, this is this is about the socioeconomic divide in our country today," and the other person's like, "I don't know, I think he's going through heartbreak, maybe a breakup or something." And then you just read, and you're like, "I was stoned on a Tuesday, and I decided to paint my dog." <laughs> like, and, you know, we're just like completely on on different spectrums on what we think this art is. I think that would be fun because I I. I you're not wrong for how you interpret art but you also kind of are you are a little bit you know you like you listen to some songs sometimes and you're like oh that's what you meant by that I thought you were talking about a heroin addiction you were just <laughs> you' were just sad on a tour bus wow I, I misread those lyrics hard you know I don't know I I feel like I feel like uh, a little bit of explanation with the art would definitely go well I like to know what artists are thinking when they paint something or when they you know what was going through your mind? I have always wanted to interview musicians of pop music because that would be really fun to do. Like, you interview, I don't know, who does like mindless pop music where it's all about dancing and stuff? And you just interview that artist. And you, what were you, Rihanna, what were you saying when, what was like the deeper meaning before? Uh, the lyrics hey mr dj can you turn that music up <laughs> what was what was going on one level deeper than that and she's like no, no i was just trying to get the dj to turn the music up because I, th- I thought the sound system could handle a little more bass <laughs> and, like, it would be fun to have someone sit down and have like an inside the actor studio interview but only on artist songs that are surface level dance
2: music mm-hmm
0: like, just interview a DJ with, like, a symbol for a name. It's like, so, Arvici, or whatever your <laughs> name is. So, Dead Mouse. So, uh, so, Skrillex. When you decided to go from <laughs> Like, what made you go at that part instead of during more of the part? <laughs> and then just have them go, like, what? You know? Have them look over their laptops while so they try to answer you. I don't know. This is what... This is what I was talking about. What else did I write down? We went to the... I wanted to start drinking more. Went on a couple's date. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also went to the public library. Mm -hmm. We did that. Have you ever done that? The big New York City public library? The one that's in like... It's like a tourist attraction? I have not, no. It's... (laughs) I thought there would be more books. Really? Yeah, Emma brought that up. Emma. At the
2: end, we went in... And there's a lot of books. It's like for the whole, like a whole city one, so it's like gigantic. Because there's a, like a library in my neighborhood.
0: Right, right, <laughs> right. right, right. Yeah, <laughs> no, like the ones you see in the movies. Is uptown? Uh, uptown? Yeah. It's probably midtown or uptown maybe. I think. I don't know all the neighborhoods. It's south of up. here, but it's like, okay. uh, it's the one you see in the movies. Like when, I'm going to make up a movie scene. Uh... Home Alone 2 Lost in New York When he's trying to plan His murder of the two burglars I think <laughs> I think he's in I don't think he is But let's say he's in The big library scene And then some old man With glasses goes Shh And <laughs> he's like Oh sorry I'm, I'm writing too loud um,
1: It was a beautiful library
0: Gorgeous Yeah They have like Paintings up above
1: It was like the Sistine Chapel
0: it, Yeah It was like the Sistine Chapel Of books Except they could have used A few more books And the Wi-Fi was kind of weak.
2: You know what? Maybe I have been in here. Because now that I'm looking at the inside, it looks familiar.
0: It's huge. And there's like a bunch of different rooms. They actually have an art exhibit in there about the subway that you thought was a subway station for a second.
1: (laughs) Don't throw me under the
0: bus. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing you under the subway (laughs) is what
2: I'm doing. There's subway stations hidden all
0: over. The only reason I knew that, because I thought it was a subway station too, but it's in 1977 above it. So I'm like, oh, okay. They're doing like a... A train exhibit because otherwise they really did make it look like you were entering the subway i thought that was the exit <laughs> oh you thought it was the e- exit entrance <laughs> you know depending on what position it's all the same um what anyway <laughs> uh yeah the museum we didn't go into any of the museums at the bookstore or at the library we went in because uh, they're doing a bunch of construction on the unit below us and we're like let's go have a day but let's get some work done so we loaded up our backpacks and then i think it was your idea you're like let's go to that big ass library and we went over there and it's really cool they do a good job separating the tourists from the people that are actually trying to study in that big room like get work done right. there's a door guy there's a bouncer at the door and they're like are you a tourist and they're like no no, no we're studying and they're like go right ahead and all these tourists with like with vlogging cameras and all that they got to stay outside and they ship them in during certain times so they can do whatever the hell they want to do and so we got to go in there super quiet i set up i I didn't even try to do any computer work i just because the wi-fi is horrible over there and i ended up just bringing i brought my own book and i just read Mm -hmm. my own book and it felt it actually reminded me of when I had to go to the library in school and they'd be like research this topic and you just have the book laid out and you're just like this you just got your like elbow up on the table and your head in you're like I'm learning and it actually <laughs> made the book that I brought that I liked at home I made it not I made me for the first five minutes not like it there because it felt like I was assigned just by the setting of it and then slowly that that kind of washed away and then I started feeling superior to everybody because i'm the only one reading a book i was looking at everyone else they're on their computer i'm like you're looking at smut right now well, that's what you're doing you're scrolling instagram I'm over i'm over here enriching my mind <laughs> and you're over here just wasting time and i it really there's something about reading a book in public that makes you feel better than everyone not reading a book in public you're like yeah that guy's an idiot that guy's probably illiterate is why he can't <laughs> enjoy what i'm doing um
1: I feel like you've been reading a lot more since we moved to New York. So in much general, more. You're very easily influenced by our environment.
0: Mm-hmm. So much. <laughs> That's all I wanted. When I pictured our apartment in New York, I wanted one of those like old-timey war buildings that have the crown molding and the high windows, and they got some kind of apex at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a, a penis, if <laughs> you don't know. If you haven't seen the layout of our apartment, it's... Uh, It's a full unit. Uh, It's got a head with a shaft and uh, testicles. That's the closet bathroom area. But the entire... I didn't notice. My friend Dane noticed that as soon as I showed him the layout. He's like, oh, you live in a rig. And I was like, oh, my God. He's like, how did not you not see this? And I'm like, I don't know. I was looking too closely at it. But I like to read at the tip. And uh, like it's just these two windows, and I got my chair there. And I just feel like... You ever... You know when you walk down the street... And there are those nice brownstones with the big, like, bay window-looking things. And you look in there, and there's just some retired man <laughs> reading in front of his fireplace with, like, a Steve Martin sweater on. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, dude, that's what I want. And with the little drink, little clink-clink, get a sip, read a little bit about World War II, go to sleep. <laughs> like, there's something about that that's really enticing to me. So that's how our apartment is set up, where I read uh, at the head of the shaft and... Uh, <laughs> And then we sleep in the in the taint uh, area, and I that's always what I've wanted. I've been reading. I'm reading two books right now. None of them uh, are going to expand my mind. One of the books is about Connie Converse, this musician that recorded some stuff in the '50s, never heard from again, and then her music blew up in like 2009 because they released it. Someone finally released it. And the other book I'm reading, uh, Sam Talent's uh, novel, Running the Light. Have you read that?
2: No, but I've I've heard of. It's about it.
0: It's, I'm only a few pages in and I already love it. It's a, it's a book about an old road dog comedian, kind of burnt out, pretty jaded, addicted to cocaine and anything. He just loves substances. He's on the road. He keeps cash in his boot. And there's a scene that's so funny that I just read a scene. Is that how you say it in a book? <laughs> there's, a, there's a page <laughs> where he's doing some private event at a VFW hall at this bar and he's like he just sees all these old people and he's gotta go on at the end and they're like oh you're gonna go on after Plinko or Pingo or something but what it is is they put out a bingo board and they put a duck on it and wherever the duck poops that's the bingo and (laughs) Yeah, I'd never heard of it before. And all these people throw bread for the duck to go. (laughs) And then they're all hoping he poops there because they all have a number and whoever wins gets like $100. So they're super into this and this duck's just going around. And then eventually uh, someone wins and he thought he was supposed to go next, but he looks up and there's this old woman uh, bald, she has cancer, and she gives a sob story speech about having cancer and having a foundation to help other people with cancer. Everyone's crying because everyone knows everybody there. Everyone's sobbing. And then he angrily runs over to the guy that's in charge and he goes, I thought you said I was on after the duck. <laughs> <laughs> and just that sentence made me laugh so hard because as a comedian, we've been there so many times where that's a stereotypical hell gig. We were doing a private event and you're already going on after something stupid like a raffle or i once went on after an ugly sweater contest for a christmas <laughs> party and and then you think you're on next but then you're not there's an impromptu somber speech where everybody gets sad and then they bring you up and you got to like it was already going to be a rough show anyway but now you got to turn around sadness into hilarity I got, that happened to me at the car dealership, that story that I told. I bombed at a car dealership at one in the afternoon once, Mossy uh, Massey Toyota in San Diego. Uh, apologies if I told the story on the podcast before, but it was one in the afternoon. It was an employee appreciation party uh, where they shut down the dealership, and they forced all the employees to stay in the showroom and have barbecue and listen to me for an hour. And, uh, and I, I mean this. Like, classic management never knows how to appreciate like they are the employees, like instead of just giving them the afternoon off, yeah, they right. lock them indoors and go eat this, listen to that. Uh, your fun is curated, you know? And so I show up and I knew it was going to be a hell gig, but I didn't know how bad because all these like the president of the dealership spoke And then after that, a young girl spoke who – I'm not making this up. She, I guess, needed a kidney growing up, and everybody at the dealership donated a portion of their paycheck for a few years to help this girl get a kidney to help with, like, medical expenses. And she had come back to let them know, like, hey, because of you guys donating your paychecks for all those years – I got my kidney. I'm doing great, and I'm going off to UCLA to get be like you know whatever. To I tuned out at that point because now everybody's crying. She's crying. The, president of the dealership sobbing the entire audience is sobbing mechanics salesman whoever else works at a dealership the guy who booked me is next to me he's crying and uh and i'm like am i on next he goes yeah you're on next i'm like i'm about to bomb dude. like and he goes no you're not you're gonna do great and i go i promise you i won't and i didn't i went up there and because you can't follow that like, how do you follow that? You can't just go up there, like, and now comedy, like, hey, one more time for dialysis, everybody. <laughs> Why don't we give her a round of applause as she's off to UCLA? And so I went up and I knew I took a gamble right off the bat because the dealership was closed. I just went, hey, it's only us here. Like, let's you can be honest with me, leasing is a sucker's game, right? (laughs) And everyone just went quiet. Quieter than somber. And I was like, huh? And then I kept that non-momentum going for the next hour. And while I'm bombing, at one in the afternoon in a well-lit car dealership with giant windows. Every five or ten minutes, a customer would try to get through the double doors. Like, these giant glass double doors, they'd shake them. And so, while I'm talking and no reaction, you just hear con <laughs> And I'd look and there'd be an old man shaking the door and then cupping his hands over the glass and seeing people and seeing a sweaty comedian standing next to a Toyota Yaris and just going, what? I want to buy a car. And you just see salesmen like watching their commissions walk off. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I have 15 more minutes of bombing to do and uh, I remember that guy who booked me he really wanted me and he kept raising the money to get me and I did so bad part of the deal was he had to give me a ride to the airport because I had a show in the Bay Area so then I had to get in a car with this guy who booked me and we just had a silent 15 minute ride to the airport oh, no. <laughs> and, I was, and I just wanted to say I told you it wouldn't go well I, I was so ashamed that yeah. I'm like I'm just, I'll just sit here and take it it's the worst it's yeah. the worst you bomb and you can't leave mm, i feel for you Uh there's so many of those times like i once bombed on a cruise ship in front of all brits oh, have you ever performed in front of british people
2: yeah not no not all at once but yeah i've had british people in the crowd and stuff right right but, but when heard. they're the, no
0: all the crowd oh boy they hate comedy that they don't like yeah, like if it's the I they like that wordy British comedy where wordy, it's like yeah. Jimmy Carr going ha, da, ha, and yeah. then I said I'll stab you in the face or whatever <laughs> Jimmy Carr says. It's like very it's wordy but wooden, right. and then like there's American comedy where it's more flair and and there's substance sprinkled in, but it's a lot of flair. That's more my comedy. There's a mm-hmm. lot of flair over substance but there is substance sprinkled in and they stared at me dude i bombed for 30 minutes and then i had to stay on the ship it's a ship you can't go anywhere <laughs> so and i got to eat where him. these people yeah. eat yeah so i'm like trying to be out there and thankfully everyone was super nice i had all these like older british people come up to me like oh we very much enjoyed your show the, by the way what accent is that <laughs> <I know. laughs> i'm so bad at accents
1: there's a nice little british woman <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm the worst at accents, but uh, I don't. She's like a Jewish lady from Staten Island. That <laughs> voice, I don't know what that was. But they would come up to me and they'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, we didn't, we didn't laugh. It's just we're British. Mm. Like their reason for being a horrible audience is their nationality." Mm. And I'm like, "That's not good. That's <laughs> not a good reason." Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we didn't clap during your performance. We're from Venezuela. Like what? <laughs> That doesn't mean anything. Just laugh politely, you jerks. You're staring at me in a giant theater, sold out. (laughs) Not that tickets cost anything, but it's free. And I was bombing so bad. I remember it was formal night. And so everyone's dressed in like tuxedos and like they're dressed really well, but it's a lot of black and white. That was the color scheme. And I'm like, it's so weird that you guys are all dressed up in formal night and I'm doing so, it's like you guys are dressed up to watch a funeral, which has been my act. (laughs) And that was the only thing they laughed at, like they burst open laughing, and uh, arrogantly in my head, I'm like, I got him. (laughs) Then I went back into my act, I'm like, I don't got him again. So out of 30 minutes, I had one line that broke him open and the rest of the time, pure death. Like so bad that I was in my room after the show the next day, And the production manager called me. He goes, oh, you got another show tomorrow? And I'm like, do we have to? (laughs) And he's like, what do you mean? I go, they hated it. They just came in and stared. Like, who are we doing this for? He's like, well, I mean, we got that on the contract. And I'm like, I know it's in paper. But do we have to? Like, who is this for? Is, are they enjoying watching me die? Because I'm, I'm contemplating going overboard. I'm contemplating busting through this little circle window you gave me and just slipping into the ocean like a seal and taking my chances in the Atlantic. This is hell. This is hell on earth. And then I went out to do the second show. And I remember prepping myself up. Remember, I did two sets of Gotham on Saturday. Mm-hmm. First set didn't go the way I liked it. I came home and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go power hump them into submission. <laughs> uh, on the- That's how I pep, m- pep myself up. I'm like, you know what? They don't tell me the story, I tell them the story. It's a Jim Cornette line from a pro wrestling documentary where he was trying to prep these wrestlers that had never been on TV to wrestle in front of a crowd that doesn't know who they are. He goes, listen, these people don't know who you are. Remember, you're telling them the story. They're not telling you the story. So if they don't get with it right away, just stay confident, do your thing. They'll eventually come. And so I was trying to pet myself up like I did. And it worked on Saturday for the Late Show of Gotham. I went in there, power-humped him into submission. Uh, And I was trying to pet myself up before going out in front of these Brits. And I was just like, you're telling them the story. They're not telling you the story. And I went out there, and I just machine gunned my material, all energy. And about three minutes in, I'm like, they are telling me the story. (laughs) Then the story is, we hate you. (laughs) We hate your brand of comedy. And we can't wait for this to be over, but we're not going to leave. I would have been more respectful if they left. They sat there and stared going... Well, what's next, sweetheart? And then I'm just plowing through all this material, and then they stare, and then you leave. Anyway, that's why I'm connecting so much to this book, was that line where he goes, I thought I was on after the duck. And it was just such a beautiful line to read, especially as a comedian, because there's been so many situations where you're like, yeah, I thought I was on after that horrible thing, but no, there's another horrible thing that I have to go on after. Wonderful. So... Thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I don't know. It was a weird. Uh, it was a weird week. Did you see the uh, Bigfoot sighting? There was a Bigfoot sighting on Instagram or on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Someone got footage in Colorado. Manhattan?
2: Oh, I was gonna say.
0: Where? Yeah, someone got like. <laughs> so, wait, where? I was like in Manhattan. <laughs> no, that would be. That wouldn't even make the news. No. People would think that's just a homeless a, person. Well, it was, that, plus, it
2: was Comic Con this weekend. Somebody thought he was going there if they saw that. Uh, um, no, I didn't see it though. But I'm, I'm into that stuff. I want to. I want to see it.
0: Yeah, it's it, on Twitter. It was on Twitter last week, like the middle of last week. I just hmm. went on there and it said Bigfoot was trending, mm-hmm. and uh, it's video from Colorado somewhere and it looked like people were in a ski lift or something or some kind of zip line but with a group whatever the hell that's called and they took cell phone footage of a big giant hairy oaf uh that was walking and then squatted down
2: i'm gonna watch the video
0: yeah it's um i was into it and then it just looked like a man in a suit yeah yeah I think that's a lot of, it's so weird because we live in a time where like now aliens everyone believes in for the most part.
2: Oh wow, this is a good, sh- it's a good quality though. Yeah, I know, but it's
0: yeah. the first time, it's like the Mitch Hedberg joke where the only thing we know about Bigfoot is that he's blurry because right. all the footage about him back in the day was always fuzzy and blurry. Yeah, that um, famous
2: Patterson footage is like super- Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And then, but now this is like, this is cell phone footage, like it's modern. It's kind of blurry though. Is it? Yeah, because c- it's moving, but I mean, it's the clearest they have right. of
2: Bigfoot in yeah. the history of Bigfoot footage. That was it? Yeah. That was oh, it. yeah, this is clearer. This is like, yeah. Because the most famous footage is that Patterson footage, right? From like right. the 60s where he like looks back. Yeah, he looks back, he uh, walks, yeah. and he and looks back, he kind of looks like that guy. Apparently, did like a whole breakdown on how it was with the shoulders and everything on how that's a it's a guy. Oh, really? Yeah, there's like 58 documentaries on it, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, this is pretty sick, though.
0: That's pretty badass. Like, it makes me... I want it to be real, because I live in a time where now aliens have been proven true, or Swatting at least UFOs down. have been... What'd you say?
2: I said he just squats down in the middle of the thing. Yeah. You're right about aliens, though. I took your wreck on Encounters. Would you like... Did you like it? I've watched the first two. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm The first like, that two... school one is... That's wild. wild. And there's a... Um, a dude I know, he works at, you know, Barstool. He's a producer at Barstool, and he's from yeah. Zimbabwe, and he was at the school. And he wow. was telling us that, like, yeah. Like, he was Jesus. there when it happened? Yeah, he was a little kid. Mm-hmm. He doesn't remember much. He was, like, you know, whatever, very young. But he was, wow. like, wow. And wow. I was like, he was there for the aliens. That's just wild, though. But that one guy in that second episode who's saying, you know, he's saying they're all lying, the weird-looking guy. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, like... I I mean 62 kids or 62 people plus the teachers whatever it was right and I think he's just afraid of what he saw yeah probably he he
1: probably just blocked it out because of the trauma yeah
0: Yeah. and it's like you almost want to make eye contact with that guy and going hey you coming to grips with this alien thing is probably the fifth thing you need to process because you're probably blocking out a whole lot of other things from your childhood and you're like there are no aliens because that means my dad did this to me and you're like so it's like dude just you need to Go to therapy and process those other things, and then stop discrediting your fellow classmates. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's sixty-two so into- to
2: one right now. Yeah. The the two the black woman and the older woman who are literally saying the exact they have the tape when they're seven or whatever, yep. and then they have the tape when they're now and they're yeah. saying the exact same stories. I'm just like, it's pretty wild.
0: It's pretty wild. So like, we live in an era now where there's so much evidence of ghosts. I've been molested by a ghost. <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's UFOs, which I've never seen a UFO but there's so much video evidence now the government is acknowledging uh the existence of ufos but for some reason bigfoot is still <laughs> bigfoot can't get any respect bigfoot is like the rodney dangerfield of like extraterrestrial or like people that just don't want to believe like they're like what is this thing yeah, and it, this is it's goofy he's like the clown of that genre you know he's like the uh like the guitar act of comedians or something, <laughs> where it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, dude, you do what we do, but you don't. You got a gimmick and we don't appreciate it, or you got puppets or something. You have like an extra thing. But it would be funny if there became like this big thing and we found a Bigfoot. Because I feel like if we found one and captured him, I give it seven days until he's a guest on Rogan.
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> just
0: sitting there smoking so a smoking a joint with Joe Rogan. And He's like,
2: so what do you like eat? I mean, what for all the yeah, for all the people obsessed with like, if this if they can prove this isn't it, then like, right, it's not. Right, come on, it's not. This is this is great footage. I didn't it's think great it footage. Like yeah,
0: he's got big, dumb, long arms. And then,
2: like it doesn't even look like they're that far away from him in the middle of the day. Yeah. 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 yeah he. Is, uh, I think that's
0: why he sat down. He's like, I. He, I think Bigfoot. Tired. If that's real and not just a guy in a suit, I think he was walking through and he's like, bye. And that that zip line must be new or whatever that like. <laughs> and he's like, what the hell is that? Sit down and he just tried to blend into shrubbery like he's a sniper <laughs> in Afghanistan. He's like, oh, I'm doing all right. Like everything's fine. And you're like, nah, dude, we see you. Dude, yeah, that's that's wild.
2: Have, there haven't been any skeletons of Bigfoot found, right? I don't think so. That's the thing. I'm like, they would be. The, if he was real, you're gonna find some dead Bigfoot bodies in the last hundred years,
0: no? Yeah. Right. Bigfoot bodies, Bigfoot turds. <laughs> like there, there should be something. Bigfoot, uh, like uh hair. Like I remember one time I watched a documentary where they found some hair stuck to a tree, and they ran DNA evidence on it, and it, and it came back inconclusive. Which was this close, they're like, we don't know what it is. We didn't get enough snuffs off this thing to to figure out what it is.
2: The fact that it's just, he lines up right in front of where a train goes by and it's the middle of the day in the middle of anything, like, that's where you're going to go if you're trying to do a prank so everyone can see it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, come on, like. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, there should be security footage. Like, someone should have a ring camera on their summer cabin and then Bigfoot comes by and like scratches his ass in front of it and then <laughs> walks up and you're like, I think that was Bigfoot. Yeah. I think that was big, dumb Bigfoot.
1: Yeah, I believe in UFOs, but I don't know about Bigfoot.
0: It's weird to draw those lines, right? Because yeah. you're willing yeah. to take the jump on like extraterrestrials. You're willing to take the jump on ghosts. Mm-hmm. You're willing to take the jump on... Is there anything else? I guess that.
2: And then, Locked but for some reason, Bigfoot, you're like, yeah.
1: It's just because he looks so dumb. <laughs> and he lives
2: here. So you're, you would see, like, I get the galaxy right. so big, you might, who knows? I guess they say it's so big, you know, there's a million other whatever. How many whatever. trees
0: are left for this guy to hide in. Yeah, yeah. Like, He's people, gotta it? He's got to be out there. It's so funny, though, that the people that are really into Bigfoot, they are their own subculture. Oh, yeah. They're like, because, like, everyone my age is into action figures that grew up in the eighties and nineties, they're all kind of like action figure nerds, but the people that are into Bigfoot are like the dudes that are into like my little pony. Like they're <laughs> like that subsect where you're like, all right, I love X-Men and pro wrestling action figures from the nineties, but I'm not these creeps going up <laughs> going to go buy the new My Little Pony. Like I'm not doing that action. Discrimination within the I don't even know what that genre is, the paranormal, extraterrestrial weird stuff going on world, Mm -hmm. you know? I don't know. Uh, I hope he's real, and I hope he gets on Rogan. I hope Rogan gets him high. I hope they ask, because he asks him, like, what his workout regimen is. Hmm. He's like, oh, I do free squats, and I do (laughs) push-ups, and then I climb trees and stuff, and I just throw them over my shoulders, and then Rogan's going to be, like, it's great. He's (laughs) going to do that thing where he just asks him all his questions in low voice, where he goes, how many times are you out there? And you just see Wolf, and you're like... (laughs) I'm going to rip the face off of that one. Whole... <laughs> and then he goes in and goes, all the time. And he's like, that's badass, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part, by the way. If I can go off on a little tangent of bro-y podcasts. Rogan's not the only one that does this, but every once in a while, like I get recommended podcasts that aren't comedy related, but they're, I guess they get lumped in with comedy because they're bro like Rogan's is, where it will just be like a dude with a big beard and he'll just be talking into a microphone with low voice. I've realized that's how big beef beefy dumb guys try to sound smart is they do the Kim Kardashian thing where they slow down, but they've added lowering their voice to make it sound like what they're saying is important. Right. But if you actually listen to what they're saying, they're just like, yeah, yeah, kettlebells three times a week seems to help keep me in shape. <laughs> but if you say like, man, kettlebells, dude, <sighs> swing those 10 times, three yeah. times a day, Savage, dude. <laughs> Savage. And then you say it like that and you're like, I think they're actually saying something. But then you break down what they're actually saying. I'm like, I think he's just said three times a week if you work out, you good cardio. You know?
1: It's that and British accents also do it too. Oh,
0: yeah. the Brits. Don't ask me to do it, because no, I can't please do- <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> I can't do the British accent. For the love of God. I can't do every accent I do. I can't stick with it and it slowly becomes macho man randy savage <laughs> i can't explain it like it'll start as what i'm trying to do it'll be bad and then it will slowly morph to like japanese and then macho man randy savage it's bizarre <laughs> i once did an audition there is a casting director in la that used to like me like 10 years ago like she liked my comedy she worked at nickelodeon and she brought me in for a couple things but i was Two things. One, I was such a bad actor that eventually she's like, I got to stop bringing you in. She didn't say that to me. She just stopped bringing me in. Uh, but two, uh, the first thing she brought me in for was this Bella and the Bulldog show. It was on Nickelodeon for a while. And there was a role for a janitor. So I was going to play a janitor at a school, which I told her, I'm like, this is a perfect role for me. I used to be a janitor. <laughs> I was a janitor at a retirement home, like pushing a, pushing a trash can with wheels sprinkling sawdust, f- f- uh, <laughs> running the carpet scrubber. I can do all, like I've done the job. I'm qualified to do the job. And then I come in and I do my lines and she's like, I can tell she doesn't like it. But she's like being supportive because she likes my comedy, so she's like rooting. I can tell she's rooting for me, and she goes, uh, "Maybe you could try it with like, do you have like? Can you do like a Hungarian accent?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm Hungarian," <laughs> and she's like, "That's great. If you could, maybe if you did it with a Hungarian accent." I got about two lines in to the Hungarian accent. She goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just go back to what you were doing before." <laughs> and I was like, "Damn." That's when you know you're really bad at something where someone likes, like, they're rooting for you. They're like, I'm in charge. I can give you this role. I'm in charge of putting people in, and I just can't do it. I like that
1: it doesn't slow you down either. You just keep doing it.
0: That really hurt. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: hurts. I have to listen to it.
0: (laughs) You mean the accent? The not not yeah. my career. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Okay, because I it's took specifically
1: it Specifically the British
0: accent. Yeah. Because it's fun. It's <laughs> yeah. fun to do accents. You're oh, at home yourself. and you're just doing the dishes and you're like Pip
1: Pip cheerio <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how you doing, love? <laughs>
0: and then slowly it'll just turn Japanese and then uh, Macho Man. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love you. Oh, it's so bad. I'm a horrible accent guy. You have to listen to me do a lot of voiceover auditions. Mm-hmm. Which thankfully, I think they're going to stop giving me. Because uh, I've done so many bad ones. I think my agency stopped sending me. <laughs> I think that's the best where no one wants to tell you. Because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Because right. we, as a world of artists, everyone's very sensitive. Me included. And so nobody tells you you suck. They just stop offering you things. <laughs> and then the world just kind of lets you know. Because the world is honest with you. Like, if you're bad at something, the world will kind of let you know. Just mm-hmm. just through how opportunity and closed doors, they'll kind of help funnel you to where you're supposed to go, you know? Wise words. I think they are. I think they are. But there are those people that just keep showing up. That's why when you said, and you keep trying. <laughs> like, I took that to mean, like, my career? Like, I keep trying? No. I know. <laughs> but I took it to the deepest part because I'm right. a sensitive artist. Yeah. Pain in the ass, huh?
1: Number one fan over here.
0: Oh, you got to fight my mother for that role. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's you and my mother Mm -hmm. jockeying for number one fan. Um, What else did I have here? Making friends as an adult—that's always hard. Mm -hmm. I think I've talked about that on here. Trying to make friends as an adult. We did a good job on that couples date. We We did a good job. I was conversating. You were conversating. They were conversating. It was a fun night ended up having a a blast of a time. It's just hard to make a connection with somebody, you know, especially at 30 in your thirties, because everyone's got stuff going on and some people are kind of like I said in the beginning, some people are open, some people are closed off. Some people are too open. Some people are statues and you just want that sweet spot, you know, where I have my friends for different things. Like I have my friend that I call about books where we talk about books and then I, I don't have, have any f- of those friends. Huh? I don't have any of those friends. <laughs> <You don't have laughs> any book any friends? <laughs> you don't have a book friend? <laughs> Hell no. Dude, I got I got uh I got a book friend. I got, I got my my buddies from high school that we just talk about uh, misfortunate turd stories <laughs> uh, where we're like, ah, crap my pants at work. And you're like, yep, yeah, I had diarrhea at the Tampa airport on Thanksgiving. So that's, <laughs> when, remember that? He, I remember Dane texted me, happy Thanksgiving, bud. Hope you're doing well. I'm like, currently I have diarrhea at the Tampa airport. So not good, but thank you. <laughs> Hopefully things turn around soon. And uh, yeah, you just have like different friends. for I have my pro wrestling friends. I got, I kind of have a, I have people I keep in touch with about boxing, comedy, of course. But yeah, like there's no, uh, what's the word? Like a uh, transformer that has all those aspects. Like there's people I'm vulnerable, vulnerable with, and then there's people I've known too long to be vulnerable with. Because we still have our sixth grade relationships, mm-hmm. you know? And you're just like, pussy. And you're not like, <laughs> well, what are you, thir- like, we're 35. Would you just call me? And so, uh, yeah, so it's interesting, like, I don't know, watching those friendships evolve, but also kind of stay within those boundaries and those lanes. I don't know. I don't know. But we're going to make some New York friends. It's happening.
1: Yeah, it's definitely hard. But I think if there's any place to do it, it's New York.
0: Yeah, because everyone's trying to get out of their apartment because it makes them sad. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot in New York. You got to get out there because you're like, it's sad. And the best part of going out in a city this big, I'll say this for any big city, is when you're out, no matter how you're feeling or how you're doing professionally or personally, there's always someone doing way worse or way better than you within about 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll be like, ah, oh, that person's like about to jump in front of the train. I'm not doing that bad. <laughs> and you're like, that person looks like a stockbroker who's on his way to a private jet. And it's just good to like, it's good to keep things in perspective from yeah. seeing like all. Because imagine if you were all around only loaded stockbrokers, and you're like, man, I suck, <laughs> I suck. But there's someone for everybody. Because there's the person who's homeless, and then they probably have someone that they turn to. you And you're like, at least I'm not that guy. Yeah, very you know. True he probably he probably like the homeless guy that doesn't have a place to live he might look at a guy on the train who has a place to live but he's going through a breakup and he's sobbing in public and he's like well at least i'm not falling apart like this sap over here (laughs) pulling myself up by my ripped shorts i'm doing all right over here (laughs) so like there's always someone nearby to kind of keep things in perspective and that's that's that part i really enjoy yeah yeah very true i think that's a good how are we doing on time 51 oh that's beautiful i think that's a perfect place to end we ended in a nice i like this episode it, it started, started here <laughs> it started negative where i'm like hey why don't you suck it up and keep your feelings in and then it left in a beautiful place where i'm like i like going outside to see people doing horribly <laughs> but also better and it kind of lets me know where i am and it fills my heart with content it's beautiful <laughs> yeah content that's the right word mm-hmm. it is all right Thanks so much for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, doing whatever you do to listen to this podcast, watch this podcast, see me live. Go to ZoltanComedy.com, check out my tour dates, sign up for my mailing list. And that's it, everybody. Uh, bye. Yeah. Trekking, heavier, traveling life. There's one thing that's right wherever I go. That's where I am. Mm.